Mike check one two one two. It's a taste to consider podcast, the podcast of many tastes. I'm your host, Dirk Silver, and we back, back for another episode. Let's go. Yes, indeed, we back for another episode of Taste to Consider Podcast. So, I typed a text to a girl I used to see, saying that I chose this cutie pie with whom I want to be. And I apologize if this message gets you down. Then I cc'd every girl that I'd cc round town. And hate to see y'all frown, but I'd rather see her smiling. Witness all around me, true. But I'm no island, peninsula maybe. Makes no sense, I know crazy. Give up all this pussy cat that's in my lap, no looking back. Spaceships don't come equipped with the rear view mirrors, they dip. As quick as they can, the atmosphere is now ripped. I'm so like a pimp. I'm Say glad it's sick night. and sit so a podcast. Burning, Let's go. Boat. I shoot the moon, hide, jump the broom. Like a preemie out the womb. My partner yelling too soon. Don't do it. Reconsider. Read some litter. Sure on the subject. You sure? Fuck it. You know we got your back like Cairo Pratt. If that bitch do you dirty, we'll wipe her ass out as in detergent. Now hurry, hurry. Don't yes, indeed. I know you ain't a pimp. Let's pimp. go. Remember what I taught you. Keep your heart three stacks. Keep your heart. Hey, keep your heart three stacks. Keep your heart. Man, these girls are smart. Three stacks. These girls are smart. Play your part. Play your part. My bitch a choose it. Lover never fuck without a rubber. Never in the seats like it on top of the cover. Money on the dresser. Driver compressor. Top notch holes get the most, not the lesser. Trash like the fuck for forty dollars in the club. Fucking up the game, bitch. It gets no love. She be cross country giving all that she got. A thousand a pop, I'm pulling billions off the lot. I smashed up the gray one, bought me a red. Every time we hit the parking lot, we turn head. Some hoes wanna choose, but them bitches too scary. Your bitch chose me, you ain't a pimp, you a fairy. Say stick and sit a podcast. Yes, indeed. Say stick and sit a podcast. Stick and sit a podcast. Any many decisions with precision I pick or make my selection on who I choose to be with. Girl, don't touch my protection. I know you won't let to slip, but slipping is something I don't do. Tipping for life. Mm-hmm. That's like making it rain every month on schedule. Mm-hmm. 
Let me tell you, get your parasol umbrella Cause it's gonna get better Better prepare your brother, see suppose She's supposed to spend it on that baby But we see she don't Ass, ass, Paul McCartney The lawyers couldn't stop this Slaughter, slaughter of them pockets Had to tie to a rock Send her into outer space I know he wish she could Cause he paying 20k a day That bitch is eating good Like an infant on a double D titty Just getting drunk Cause you miscalculated the next to the, the last Taste uh, sit up, Raw from the giddy up Better choose the right one or pick, pick the kitties up so. Taste to consider podcast Yes indeed We are back for another episode of Taste to Consider Podcast The podcast of many tastes Yes, that was International Players Anthem I choose you we are back for another episode. I know I left y'all hanging last week. Uh, I got your complaints, and I will take note of them. <laughs> oh, man, it feels good to be back. I'm recording um, on Sunday night. Uh, yeah. Went to a fight party yesterday, and really didn't have a chance to record on Saturday, so... We are here. We are here right now. Ah, yeah. So I had to take a break last week. I don't. I just wasn't feel. I just didn't feel like recording. Honestly, I ain't gonna say I didn't feel like recording because I had a. I had a whole show planned and everything. Already had everything put together. All that. Well, I ain't gonna say I had everything put together, but I had a lot of shit to talk about. You know what I'm saying? Something always going on. Always got something to talk about. But. I just didn't feel like talking for real. <laughs> I just took a, I just had me a a no obligation weekend. No obligations to anything or anyone. So if I decided to record, then I just would have record. But I didn't record. So yeah, we here. We here now. So thank you to everybody who uh hit me up. Um, listen to the last episode, all the people who downloaded the episode. Um, yeah, I mean, the dating game series is finally over and I am happy for it to be over, but it's not really over because like I, like I was saying throughout those, <laughs> those parts, those dating game parts, one through four that you just can't get away from relationship shit, <laughs> especially in the age of social media. There's no way you can get around some relationship topic, clip, meme, uh, bullshit take, hot take, clip bait, all that shit. <laughs> so, yeah, but nah, like I said, I, um, I forgot which episode I said. I, I guess it was Dating Games 3 where I was just getting tired of talking about the shit, but I, I think that shit kind of like just drained me a little bit and turned me off from just talking for me. I was just like, man, I need me a damn break. I'm tired of talking about that shit. <laughs> but we back for another episode. Yes, indeed. A new episode that is not part of the dating game series. <laughs> but yeah, so since I'm recording a, a, a day late and a late time wise or whatever, I just got uh, one little funky glass of 
some uh whiskey that's in my my uh stock. I don't even remember what I poured in the cup. <laughs> I ain't really get time to pregame or nothing. I just I'm just getting back home from my parents' house, having dinner. So yeah. We here. We gonna get through this show. Um I had to build up some damn energy just to record. Cause yeah, that fight party yesterday and having a a few drinks, few drinks, emphasis on a few. Yeah, I just wasn't in the mood. I ain't even work out today, but it's all good. Yeah, so we back. We I'm gonna get right into it because uh, honestly, it's what well, it's eight thirty nine right now. So I'm hoping that this ain't no two hour episode. Uh, looking at looking at my um my outline, I wouldn't think it is because it's not as long as the other outlines have been, but. Hey, you know, sometimes when you get to talking, you get to talking. Yeah, so like I said, I ain't really, I don't even know what I'm drinking. I'm not smoking no cigar this episode or nothing. Um, but I got a, I got a pretty good show planned for you. Um, some topics that um, have been out in the open for a couple of weeks. And some stuff that I've talked about already before, especially in the Blackity Black Woke segment. And I'm going to start off with that segment to get that get that out of the way, <laughs> to get the seriousness out of the way and all that other stuff. Because I know most people don't most people don't like to hear that blackity black woke segment. <laughs> but hey, like I said, this is the podcast of many tastes. I'm going to give you a taste of everything that I'm into. Yes. So starting off with the blackity black woke segment. Mm. It says California introduces new bill that would would allow mothers to kill their babies up to seven days after birth. This was an article um, from back in March. Man. What world are we living in today? Uh, I don't really have too much commentary on it, but when I saw it, I was like, man, I just I, I'll bring it up on the show. I don't really I don't really know what to say about this shit, because I mean, am I surprised? No, shit. Most of us shouldn't be surprised. But, you know, for a lot of people in this world, ignorance is bliss. And we seem to think if it's not directly affecting us in our daily lives, that it doesn't affect us indirectly or or in any way possible but everything that goes on this world is going to affect us in some kind of way whether it's going to be directly indirectly now later um the seriousness of how it's going to affect you i'm tired of hearing people acting like the shit that goes on in this world is not going to affect them and bother them in some type of way all this shit is going to touch us in some type of way because as long as we let certain shit slide with the powers to be they gonna keep trying more and more stuff and then at some point that shit gonna touch you so stop this ignorance this bliss bullshit that this stuff ain't if it's not affecting my everyday life or not affecting me right now that it don't matter that's bullshit it matters and this goes down to the bullshit world that we live in where everybody thinking that People are just like totally selfish. And I'm and I'm not gonna act like, you know what I'm saying, I'm not in this because all this shit is collective and I'm part of this world. I'm one of the the people out here 
So I've done selfish shit a lot of times, but we don't have enough selfless people out here. And this is just this world is just all about individualism, competing, who you gonna capitalize off of, all this other crazy shit. But yeah, I just thought this was a crazy ass story, man. Moving along. Tennis world rocked as 15 fully vaccinated players unable to finish Miami Open. And this was earlier this month. Uh, Miami Open is the tennis tournament that, of course, happens in Miami. And, yeah, this is something that was never seen before, but it wasn't talked about like that. Fifteen players had to buy out because of some sort of uh, chess issue. And let me pull up the article and um, read some some stuff from it. Let me see. Let me find this article. Uh, where is it at? Um, damn, I thought I had the article. I must then save that junk. But yeah, um, 15 players, 15 tennis players, healthy tennis players, young as hell, like in their, from their early to mid-20s. And this has been going on around the world. It's been, it, but it's not being talked about, of course. But yeah, recently, uh, last the week that just passed, uh, a famous bodybuilder who um was big in the uh, bodybuilding circuit as far as um the little showcases and competitions or whatever. Thirty-seven years old died uh due to a heart attack, and I think he died in the gym. And he was vaccinated. And it's just crazy. And like like I was saying, all around the world, stuff like this has been happening. And I'm not trying to scare nobody and freak nobody out because, like, honestly, like I've said plenty of times before, despite me being not vaccinated, I have a lot of family members and loved ones that are vaccinated. So, like I said, even though you would think that this don't affect me because I'm not vaccinated, it still affects me because I have loved ones that's vaccinated so this proves my whole point of what i was saying just because you don't think it directly affects you in some way it affects you so it should matter but all around the world this has been going on even uh, a lot of soccer players have been having issues chest pains um in the midst of playing their matches and stuff like that and having heart issues and stuff and then there's been a lot of um Young kids, teenagers and stuff having issue, heart issues and stuff like that. And then it, and it's crazy because Pfizer, one of the companies who've been pushing out the vaccine, they recently, and I talked about this, I forgot what episode, talked about this. Excuse me, birth number one. Pfizer, in the midst of the pandemic and all this stuff going on or whatever, and them pushing their vaccine out and stuff, they also came out with a drug medicine, I mean, a, a heart medication for one of the adverse effects from the vaccine, which is myocarditis. And then recently, one of the other adverse effects of the vaccine is alopecia, which is all kind of funny with everything that happened recently at the uh, Oscars with Will Smith, Jada Pinkett and all that other stuff. But Pfizer was 
the sponsor of the Oscars. That's funny, huh? Is it a coincidence? I don't know. Y'all, y'all come up with your own conclusions. But Pfizer also is coming out with an alopecia medication. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> it's 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 so to me in my mind, I'm just like, man, they don't even care no more. They they doing this shit out in plain sight because they know people just people just so caught up into whatever they caught up into, celebrity shit and all that other stuff and 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 looking down on people, the quote unquote conspiracy people and people who quote unquote take things too seriously and all that other stuff. <laughs> that they know people just don't care. So they just gonna do it out here in plain sight right in front of your faces. Moving along. Republicans want to legalize pedophilia. Um it, this is actually in Tennessee. It says Tennessee Republicans are advancing a marry little kids bill that will allow them to marry children of any age. And like I said, all this shit that has been going on with Kentaji Brown Jackson and the her her uh her record on pedophilia and the questions that were being asked to her by some of those politicians during her confirmation hearing and stuff like that they setting this shit up like you can you can laugh and roll your eyes and not believe what i'm saying but they they are playing games that's why i don't trust the republicans and i don't trust the democrats so i look at all that shit that that's been going on or whatever with you see so many people like um, talking bad about Republicans or whatever because they didn't want to uh, confirm Kentaji Brown Jackson. But majority of those Republicans did push her through. So, like I said, Republicans and Democrats, they on the same they two wings on the same damn bird. They just playing their, their little their little games amongst themselves. But they all for the same shit. But it's just about what what that shit is actually going to. How is this going to benefit them when they actually have the power in those those uh, political settings? So, yeah, it's crazy, man. Moving along. You see. Um, yeah. So I forgot the name of the. Uh, I don't know if it's a bill or what, but um, it's I'm going to call it a bill. I, I think it's a bill, but um Soon, illegal immigrants are going to be able to, to start just flooding back over here from uh, Mexico once some bill or something expires or something, right? So, what was funny is, is it says the Biden administration is providing free smartphones to illegal immigrants entering the U.S. <laughs> Why are they providing them with cell phones? Uh you can have speculation out there, but um, as I've talked about plenty of times before on this podcast, and I know y'all hear me say that a lot, and I will keep saying it because I got to keep reminding people this shit. But, yeah, the Democrats are trying to build a new base, and by building that new base, they are welcoming these illegal immigrants, whether it's from Mexico and also changing the words of whether it's immigrants, illegal immigrants, or it's refugees, like they bringing over these Ukrainian refugees, 
over to the United States. But they don't care about those uh, Haitian refugees that was over here. What was they doing? We saw them uh, riding on horses, whipping them. <laughs> Crazy, man. But, yeah, they providing them with uh, cell phones, right? So my my thought is on this is they're providing them with these damn cell phones from uh, the White House spokesperson, Jen Paskey. Uh, she said the reason that they're providing them with the cell phones is so they can keep track of them. Yeah, and I believe her on that. Yeah, they definitely want to keep tracking them so they can keep in touch with them so they can be able to communicate how to move them around, how to give them certain benefits and stuff like that, where they need to go to live so they can uh, boost their their polling numbers, their voting numbers, et cetera, et cetera. All this shit is a game, man. All this shit. Just like the late uh, Dick Gregory... Used to always say this shit is all a game. <laughs> uh, U.S. taxpayers paying $30,000 a month for Secret Service to protect Hunter Biden in Malibu Mansion. If you don't know who Hunter Biden is, he's the controversial son of President Joe Biden. And he's controversial because of. Uh, a lot of the business dealings that he's been, that he's done with the likes of Ukraine. Um, who else was it? Um, I don't want to. Sp- I'll just leave it at Ukraine. But he had some other bi- some other dealings with other countries. Um, and it's all this controversy around that the the quote unquote lap the laptop, and he's been. Um, caught on camera smoking crack and all that other stuff you know what i'm saying he he has a length a lengthy history of controversy so um you can look it up if you ain't never heard of him i would hope you have but yeah so all this shit is connect all this shit be connecting so yeah I'll just be, I'll be laughing after I talk about some of these topics because i just be telling myself in my head, like, you know what I'm saying? Some people just don't care. They not going to care. You can't change their minds about it or nothing like that. So that's why I just always be laughing after I bring up some of these topics because I just know, I just know some people just going to let it go over their head because they just feel like it don't, it don't matter to them. <laughs> All right, where am I? Uh, let's see. Yeah, so I talked about plenty of times how uh, Biden, the White House, and the United States government has been giving all this money to everybody else, but Black Americans can't get no type of reparations. They got they got to talk about doing all these studies, putting committees together, and all this other stuff. But once again, President Biden and the United States government gave Ukraine more money. To be exact, they gave them eight hundred million dollars. And weapons, ammunition, and security assistance. And I forgot to add up what the tab is so far, but it's up to like, I believe, two billion or so of money that they've given the fucking Ukrainian government since all this shit's been going on. They ain't had to wait for no study. They ain't had to wait for no committee. They ain't had to go plead the Congress or anything like that. They just gave it up. And that's why I always say each and every president that comes sitting in that office, even 
President Obama, who ain't did nothing for black people, <laughs> all of them had their agendas for their buddies or whoever corporation or man in the shadows they had agendas based off of that matter of fact i got a clip so let me pull this clip up um what a clip at? all right yeah here we go And this is uh, this y'all president, in his own words, talking about reparations while doing an interview with Ed Gordon. Here we go. Now for the study. We can hit, we can deal well, with. Well, they're the study. not mutually exclusive. You don't have to wait around. No, they're for not the study. exclusive. That's my point. No, we, but but they look. They're not mutually exclusive. But I can't believe that whatever it is, the African American community would not support what I'm talking about. In addition to, well, I, don't, if I, there okay, are I, don't, I don't think we have to. Let me ask you this, then. Let me ask you this, so we can move on because we got to get some <laughs> phone calls in as well. But let me ask you this, then: If in fact a calculation comes to you that you are satisfied with. Would you then say, I'm for reparations? The answer is it would depend on what it was and will it include Native Americans as well. You heard it here. I ain't going to say you heard it here first. Well, you might have because I know some of y'all just don't care. <laughs> and I hate to be <laughs> be like this, but I mean, shit. The shit, I ain't going to lie, the shit frustrates me that people just don't be giving a fuck about some real shit and then and it ain't even about having to worry about it all the damn time because i'm not 24 7 in blackity black mode i know some people may think that and i'm glad y'all think that because i don't want y'all to really know who i am other than what i let you know but seriously man come on this should just be getting out of hand that how people just don't be caring about certain shit <laughs> oh man um I came across a, a article that was very interesting. It says, why more black women should consider marrying white men? And on the, the cover of this article is Kintenji, uh Brown Jackson with her white husband. And the author of this article is Ralph Richard Banks. The article came out uh, April 1st. April Fool's Day. And what I found interesting about it, after, uh, after I went through the article a little bit and I did some digging on the author, the writer of the article, um, I was surprised because the author, the writer, journalist, his name, like I said, Ralph Richard Banks, is a black man. <laughs> He's a black man, right? So, it says Ralph Richard Banks is a professor at Stanford Law School where he has taught since 1998. He also teaches at the Stanford Graduate School of Education. 
His scholarship focuses on race, inequality, and the law, which is interesting. So if he focuses on that stuff, why is he writing an article like this? And in the process of me doing my digging, I found out this isn't this isn't the first time that he's written he's written anything. This Bama has wrote a lot of things on this exact topic since like 2010. Several things um, for several big. platforms one in particular i came across uh was for um matter of fact i don't even think this is an article i think this was a book but they highlighted it they highlighted the book in the article he did write a book his one of the books that uh was highlighted in in this this particular article from back in when was this this article was back in 2011 uh the book is titled is marriage for white people so i'm gonna read a little bit from the article real quick the title of the actual article is called black women should look for husbands outside their race let me see It says, when it comes to black women and marriage, there are some dire statistics. Studies have shown as many as 70% of them are unmarried. But a new book adds fresh ideas and a new tone to the conversation, suggesting black women need to start looking for suitable mates outside their race. Like I said, he's written several things on this topic, whether it be books, articles, whatever. Back to the article. It says, quote, Many women would do well to expand their options in the same way people of other races have and look beyond black men in their search for a partner, end quote. Stanford law professor Ralph Richard Banks told ABC's Nightline. Quote, black women are the most segregated group in our society when it comes to relationships, end quote. Which I do agree with that. (laughs) <laughs> that quote but i definitely know it's deeper than that and i've talked about it plenty of times before but back to the article it says for his book is marriage for white people banks conducted roughly 100 interviews with african americans about their marriage and dating ideals and experiences his explanation as to why marriage rates are so low among black americans is that there is a shortage of eligible black men quote There is a social catastrophe going on in terms of black men, end quote, he said. Imprisonment numbers, unemployment numbers, underperformance academically. These are crises not just for African-Americans, but for the nation. Only about 9% of black women are married to men of a different race. Compare that to 41% of Hispanic women, 48% of Asian women, and 58% of Native American women in the United States. However, only only 8% of white women marry outside their race. To Banks, it seems like it is, a time, it is time for a change. 
And let me stop here and, and talk about that particular paragraph. So when they pointing out the statistics, when he says 9% of black women are married to men of a different race. And then he start, they started going through the numbers of Hispanic women, Asian women, Native American women, and white women. So one of the, one of the things that stood out to me off of this paragraph is, of course, the 9% of black women are married to men of a different race, which is cool. I'm fine with it. I champion black love, but whatever. You can make your own choice. But also what was interesting about that particular paragraph was this sentence right here for me. However, only 8% of white women marry outside of their race. So you have these low percentage numbers for black and white American women, right? So, of course, I've talked about plenty of times on this show about how women are groomed to live and want this fantasy of a Prince Charming, right? We've all been kids at one time and come up and seen the Disney movies and stuff like that. And what has every prince looked like? A white man. Okay? So it makes sense that white women will have these low numbers of going outside of their race. In this country, off of programming, off of systematic racism, whatever, any the whole the whole way that the this country is <laughs> arranged that it would make sense that white women would want to stay with a white man, right? Whether it, whether they're racist or not. <laughs> but the ideal of being with this Prince Charming of a man, which is a white man, that would make sense that they would stay with their their particular race. What I find interesting about the 9% of black women not marrying outside of their race, that could be that could be a lot of things. It can or cannot. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I would believe that most black women would want to choose to be with a black man despite the fact that we have so much uh, so much (laughs) trying to find the right word we got a lot of bad dealings with each other it could be very strained. The relationships within our community can be very strained. But then also a part of that that paragraph when they talked about the 41% of Hispanic women, 48% of Asian women, 58% of Native American women, that makes total sense to me based off of this ideal of being with the perfect man. And these are... 
me not being necessarily me not being a part of those communities, but I still feel just based off of things that I've read, things that I saw and I've seen and stuff like that. So a lot of Hispanic people in the United States that classify themselves as white. They don't even classify themselves as being Hispanic. And if they do, they look at themselves as being white Hispanic. I've talked about how I've worked with Hispanic people at one time and how they very much hate black people. They don't like black people. So it makes sense that it's also the same way with the Asian Asian women, with the 48 percent of Asian women. And it definitely makes sense that 58 percent of Native American women, because most of these Native American people are really white people. But they just five dollar Indians. <laughs> so most of these people, most of these Hispanic women or these Native American women probably are passing. Back to the article. Quote, interracial marriages have actually been rising for everyone. Banks said, black women have fought the good fight. They have engaged in what one friend described as a noble effort, trying to lift black men. That's praiseworthy. But at the same time, we should recognize that that strategy hasn't really been working. And you see the one of the <laughs> terms he used in saying this. He says they have engaged in what one friend described as a noble effort trying to lift black men. This is a black man speaking. Remember this. Critics of Banks' books say that he is just a pro profiteer who is benefiting financially from black females' anxieties at the expense of black male egos. Quote, I have been called a racial pimp, end quote, Banks says. I think the view is wrong. After earning his bachelor's degree from Stanford and his law degree from Harvard, Banks then married a black woman. His contention now is that black women would be better served if, in his words, they don't marry down, but marry out. So you see how he he classifies black men. So he already has a has a certain perspective. Of. Black men. And of course, you see, he went to Stanford, he went to Harvard and stuff, so. That that says a lot as well, based on his views of black men. Right. But back to the original article. Let me read some stuff from it. Two of the most powerful positions in the United States government will soon be held for the first time by black women. Kamala Harris and Kentaji Brown Jackson. Harris, as we all know, is the vice president of the United States and Brown Jackson could soon be a Supreme Court justice. But Harris and Brown Jackson also share a personal attribute that is equally noteworthy. Each has a white husband. And this is actually the uh, the New York, the New York uh, Post article that uh, Richard, whatever his name is, wrote. I forgot his name at first. But, yeah, this is what he actually wrote. So you see. 
why he's making this case. So he's basically saying to black women, you can't reach your heights unless you marry a white man. And if you marry a black man, don't expect to have any type of success in the workplace. As I've talked about Kamala Harris, she doesn't even identify herself as a black woman unless it serves her purpose, as well as the people that she's affiliated with. The black side of her is not even black American. You have Kentaji Brown Jackson. She has both her parents are black black people right this isn't confirmed but it's been talked about a lot that her parents aren't black americans as well they they are from i believe nigeria so that's also says something if it is in fact true but as i also pointed out with Kentaji brown jackson even at her confirmation hearing, her white husband was sitting in the audience wearing slave owners on his socks. Slave owner socks. <laughs> and the amount of black women that I saw on social media that was so much in love with how supportive, quote unquote supportive, her white husband was. See, so this is what I'm saying as far as this programming, this pushing of a narrative that Prince Charming can only be a white man. Let me read some notes from the article. This fact is significant. The effects of racism have left well-educated black women with a paucity of black male partners. According to Brookings Institute data, black men are less likely than black women to have completed high school and 50% less likely to have attained a four-year college degree. Remember, this is this guy is a is a law professor. So he's well. He let me let me go let me go back to the article. Uh, yet, despite the shortage of suitable black partners, black women have also been the least likely of any minority group to marry outside of their race, according to data from the Pew Research Center. <clears throat> Rather than partner with men of other races. Excuse me, burp number three. Rather than partner with men of other races, many heterosexual black women either don't marry or marry black men with whom they are not especially well-matched. Now, what does he mean by well-matched? He never he never really said what that means or, how, or what he means by it in the article. But we can make our assumptions, but especially from what I previously read to you based off of the book that he wrote. It says, and these mis mismatched relationships contribute to African-Americans having the highest divorce rate of any racial group. In fact, black women are the only demographic to have a higher diver divorce rate than marriage rate. So. 
we can make our assumptions of what he means by not match. Whether it's the education factor, which he did point out, but he didn't say necessarily that's what he was talking about when he was talking about matched. It could be financially. That's the only thing I can think of, right? Financially and financial and education-wise, right? Because that seems to be the main factors that's always talked about anytime you hear anything on social media. Whether it's a clip, meme, hot take, bullshit take, et cetera, et cetera. It's either it's always about those that status. The financial status, job status, and educational status. And particularly in our community, that's what usually is argued about. You can go back and just and think about um, certain movies you watch and stuff. Like one of the movies that's popping in my head right right now is uh, the Tyler Perry movie. What was it called? With the John with Idris Elba in it and how... Gabrielle Union and her friends or whatever was talking about him and how Gabrielle Union was 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 feeling about Idris Elba because he was just a mechanic (laughs) and he had three daughters or whatever. So, yeah, but this is crazy, though. Uh, This is a this is a black man. The book is called is marriage for white people. How the African-American marriage decline affects everyone. Yeah. And he's a He's a professor at Stanford Law School. It's crazy. But yeah, this ain't this ain't nothing new. This ain't nothing new. But I got a clip. I got a clip for y'all that I had for a while and I didn't know necessarily when I wanted to pull it up. I had opportunities, but I'm gonna play it so you can see how this how these narratives, these certain these articles, these movies and the stuff on social media and stuff like that is being pushed to black women to break up the black family and break up black culture, the black DNA, all of that. So let me pull this clip up. This was an interesting clip that I came across. Um, All right, let me find it. Okay. Now, this clip is is a it's a very old clip, right? Um. It is. It's a clip of Lena Horne and Nikki Giovanni. Nikki, G- Nikki Giovanni was uh, interview interviewing or having a conversation with Lena Horne. And this is what Lena Horne had to say about black men. When you, uh, you got ready to marry uh, Lenny Hayden, one of the uh, statements that you made was that you didn't have the strength to uh, to marry a black man. Mm. How, how would you? Uh... I had married first a black man, and I wasn't 
big enough woman to help him. I didn't, I married him because I had nobody. I ran away from life as a chorus girl at 16 and, and a stepfather who was white that I didn't understand. And uh, then I found out how difficult it was for a black man to live at that time and to exist. Mm -hmm. And I failed him. I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't have enough consolation in myself because I'd never had it to give to him. Okay, so I'm going to replay the clip and then I'm going to pause and comment on certain aspects of the clip. So we're going to start the clip again. When you, uh, when you got ready to marry uh, Lenny Hayden, one of the uh, statements that you made was that you didn't have the strength to, uh, to marry a black man. Mm. How would you... Uh, I had married first a black man, and I wasn't a big enough woman to help him. So that was, that was key right there. She said she wasn't big enough to help him. And this is what I'm talking about, these narratives of, of black women having to help or pull up or, excuse me, be a mother to black men. That black men aren't sufficient enough for black women. Back to the clip. I didn't, I married him because I had nobody. She married him because she had nobody. So she, so essentially she's saying that she used this black man as a placeholder. That's how, that's, that's how I see it. That's what I'm getting from it, right? You may not, but that's what I'm getting from it, okay? I ran away from life as a chorus girl at 16 and, and a stepfather who was white that I didn't understand. And uh, then I found out how difficult it was for a black man to live at that time and to exist. Mm -hmm. And I failed him. So she, she understood the plight of a black man in America. I'm on social media majority of the time throughout the day. And I, this is something that goes on all day, every day on social media, this argument, this fight between black men, black American men and black American women about whose struggle is worse. As if the struggle is, is as if the struggle just isn't the struggle. And us just coming together and and being partners in the struggle to rise above the struggle. Right? So this is why it makes sense to me that some black women wouldn't want to be with black men because in their eyes, what's been pushed to them, what they can see. Why would you want to be with a black man when you can be with a white man and not have to deal with certain things, right? I didn't know. I didn't have enough consolation in myself because I'd never had it to give to him. That's the clip. It's, it's, it's a very difficult clip to, to listen to 
as a black man, but I've heard this before from black women. Um, but yeah, I'm just pointing things out to you, you know. That's so I'm just giving you taste. So you decide whether or not you like it or not. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a rough clip. I'm, I'm going to save that clip. I might have to use it again. Uh, where I'm at, where I'm at. Yeah, but I think this, um, that article and, and, and kind of what a lot of those narrative those same narratives that have been pushed out because this this ain't this isn't nothing new like i've said this stuff has been pushed out way before we had a a so-called black vice president black woman vice president and now a black woman supreme court justice but you see how these things always seem to reintroduce themselves into into our 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 uh i guess you can i guess the only word i can use for people to understand is our culture <laughs> i talked about um in early 2020 about the black lives matter situation the black lives matter uh organizations uh buying purchasing that house in california and it's it's, it's funny that it this actually is popping up again because this this originally happened back in 2020 when they when they purchased the house i talked about it on, on one of my episodes and the fact that it's coming up again is real interesting, but I guess once, you know, um, people start doing some digging and more information come out, um, you know, that's how it is. But yeah, so it's back in, it's back in, in the news again, uh, the house, which they call the box, they call it the box. It's a 6,500 square foot home, got a pool. Um, they paid for it in six million dollars in cash. It got like so many garages and all this other stuff. It's a big ass house in in California. And the founders of the Black Lives Matter organization um, were trying to keep it a secret. And I'll get into that once I go to the to the article that came out. It was several articles that were talked about this. The house is a 6,500 square foot mansion, six bedrooms, parking for 20 cars. It's in Southern California. And it says this is where the leaders have filmed YouTube videos. They're using it as a like a, 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 a content creation house or some shit like that. I don't know. Um, let me pull up the article and read some of the interesting things from the article. Uh, where is it? All right, it's two, it's two specific articles, so I'm going to go into, 
some interesting things about it. It says a previous version of the story said that a Los Angeles property owned by Black Lives Matter had been bought by a real estate developer for three point one million and transferred that same year for five point eight million. The Post has since learned that the public records uh, listed the sale price incorrectly. Further research found that other records show that the real estate developer bought it for the same amount that he transferred it to the Black Lives Matter organization, which was $5.8 million. Um, actually, the house is, is 74 square foot. It says the 7,400 square foot studio city compound is a 1930s farmhouse that also boasts seven bedrooms and seven bathrooms, according to the real estate listing. Um, uh, what was inter interesting, they bought it through a shell company, basically, right? So that's how they was trying to keep it secret. And they're using the house uh, for the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation and this is basically their, their content creation um, network or whatever. The house, the house is a nice-ass house. I'm looking at the pictures right now. It's, it's a nice-ass house. But they basically use... Um, it says the Stunny Mansion was secretly bought by a shell company in October 2020 connected to the embattled Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, which used part of its... $90 million donation windfall to purchase the property as a campus for the organization. So they use $90 million that they made off of black, dead black lives. Yes. And this organization and the, organ the founders of the organization is three black women. And most of these black dead bodies were what? Black men. Um, let me see if there's anything else from this particular article before I move on to the next one. It says three days after the purchase, records show that the property was transferred to a Delaware limited liability company named after the home's address and representing the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. Um, it says no transfer tax was recorded because the LLC was representing the nonprofit, which is tax exempt. So see, <laughs> the LLC is registered under the Washington, D.C. office for the law firm Perkins Cole, um, Coe, which has set up the complex web of the BLMNGF related entities in 2016 um let me see is there anything else from this article mm, let me see it says the national legal and policy center a government watchdog blasted the purchase of a luxury mansion by the nonprofit and its lack of transparency the watchdog, which filed a complaint against uh, BLM uh, to the IRS last year, said it would also file an 
amended complaint to the California Attorney General following the revelations of the Studio City property purchase. It says the mansion served as the backdrop in a YouTube video recorded last last June by three BLM leaders, Patrice Colors, Alicia Garza, and Melina Abdullah, who marked the first anniversary of George Floyd's murder. Wow. Crazy. It's, quote, it's because we're powerful because we are winning, end quote, Colors said of what she characterized as a right-wing media attack in the now private video quote is because we are threatening the establishment. We're threatening white supremacy end quote. And she knows she just talking shit because the Democrat party, which are, which is the left wing is just as much a part of the white supremacy and the system of white supremacy as well as the right wing party. And, but I talked about the Black Lives Matter organization before and how they had it was already controversy around the organization because of how the the organization had a lot of affiliation with the Democrat Party and how they um a lot of their tie they had a lot of financial ties to the Democrat Party. So yeah, you can make of that what you want. But ain't no coincidence. Yeah. But I um let me move on to the to the other article. Uh let me see. Colors at the time said she was weeks removed from being in quote 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 unquote survival mode after the post Exclusive reporting in April revealed her purchase of four high-end United States homes for $3.2 million. So they not only bought this mansion in California, they've bought other high-end homes for millions of dollars. It says, but colors... And her colleagues didn't reveal any details on the upscale home seen behind them in the video uh, marking marking the uh, first anniversary of George Floyd's murder. Yeah, so, I mean, I could just keep going and going in these articles. So, but this shit is just... They didn't want they didn't want this to be found out, obviously. So that's why they went through the shell companies and all that other stuff. And now that's why they're acting the way that they're acting, that the news is out. They're acting like they're traumatized and stuff. Um, one of the co-founders said that uh, since since the financial disclosures have been been uh, released, um, they've been it's been, quote unquote, triggering and unsafe for them. Oh, uh, it says as the um no, let me read this. It says uh quote It is such a trip to hit a term 
990, end quote, Cullis said during an event Friday, according to the Washington Examiner. She was referring to IRS Form 990, which charities are required to file every year to disclose their financial activities. And. Yeah, there's some there's some bullshit. And what's what's sad about this is, like I said, they're profiting off of black dead black bodies and. They're using the money that they raise that they were supposed to have been using to help the families and buying real estate for it. And now making YouTube videos and stuff like that. So that's it's always suspect with a lot of these activists, these so-called activists today that have affiliations with the Black Lives Matter organization and and a lot and a lot of people who try to insert themselves in the Black Lives Matter movement because the organization and the movement are totally two different things. And I'm saying this is I'm saying that a lot of the uh a lot of these people basically want to become popular. They want to be in the spotlight. They want to be seen. So you have to be weary of their motives and what their agenda is when it comes to being a part of the movement or the organization. I mean, you have Ben Crump. You have, uh, shoot, even before the the Black Lives Matter movement organization, all these activists, Al Sharpton, and all these other stuff. And we know that they have certain histories of just popping up when certain stuff happens and they are ready to be in the spotlight of things. So you almost have to question a lot of times the motives of these people who are coming out here and, and trying to be a part of the organization or the movement or anybody that puts the label of activists beside their name and it's unfortunate it's, it's real unfortunate that we have to deal with this stuff particularly the families who losing loved ones and are actually being approached and having dealings with these people and these people are just these activists and these organizations are just using them in order to be in the spotlight or to raise some money and then using it for whatever they want to use it for as opposed to giving it to the families who actually need it in their time of need. Crazy. Um, that's the end of Blackity Black Woke segment. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. So on to the movie and TV reviews. Man, I had the chance to watch this movie Friday called Deep Water with uh, Ben Affleck in it. And it came out this year. It's a Hulu movie. Let me uh pull up the description. It got Ben Affleck in it. Um and Anna De Armas. I probably just tore her name up, but from what I found out yesterday, um that this was somebody that he was in a relationship with before he got back with uh, Jennifer Lopez. 
But the movie came out this year. It's considered a mystery and psychological thriller. Uh, it's a Hulu movie. And the description reads, a well-to-do husband who allows his wife to have affairs in order to avoid a divorce becomes a prime suspect in the disappearance of her lovers. <laughs> and based off of that description is exactly what is in the movie. And that shit is wild. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at this movie like, bruh, you got to be kidding me that a dude is actually letting his wife be out here for the streets this movie is wild it reminded me of a movie from uh back back in the day called unfaithful with uh richard Gere and diane lane if anybody ever seen that movie and if you haven't check out that movie too because those movies are very similar to a degree yeah but rotten tomatoes didn't didn't give it a, a good uh percentage now it gave it 37 percent and IMDb gave it a 5.4 out of 10. But I enjoyed the movie. The shit was wild to me. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, I bet it's really, I bet it's a lot of white people who got relationships like this. <laughs> this movie was wild, but it was it was good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, check that out. Um, to TV. I, I started watching the, uh, that show on HBO Max, Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. And, man, that show is good as shit. They doing a good job. Um, I know it's, uh, it's based off of true events, so some of the stuff is embellished and stuff. Excuse me, burp number five. I know some of the stuff is embellished and stuff like that. But... Um, from what I've looked up and read and stuff like that, most of the stuff is pretty accurate, and the show is very good. It's, the actors are good in it. The um the the story is good. How they're portraying the story is good, and um yeah, it's a good show. I know it come on Sunday night, so I know an episode comes on tonight, so I will be checking that out while I'm editing this episode. But yeah, that's a good show to check out. If you haven't already seen it, um, I know the power, uh, the Tommy, the Tommy show, the season finale came out today. So I'll watch it since I already am invested into it. But yeah, I I mean, like I said, that that power joint, the Tommy joint, that joint just too fucking dry. But um, what else? Snowfall, Snowfall still is this season is it's been serviceable, but it it is not as good as it was when John Singleton was really um when he was alive and he was a part of it and in charge of it. And but it's it's crazy because a lot of people love Snowfall to the point where they saying it's the best show of its genre. Talking about it's better than The Wire and all this other stuff. And I just be like, man, get the fuck out of here with that dumb shit. This show is is just gone downhill. And it's unfortunate, but yeah. I watched this docuseries on Netflix, man. It's a, it's a true story, of course. This is a docuseries. And it's about this... this uh. South African soccer player. His name was Senzo Mo Mo Mayawa. 
and he was a South African uh, soccer player. He played goalkeeper for, he was a goalkeeper and a captain for the Orlando Pirates in the Premier Soccer League. And the, he was also the goalkeeper and captain for the South Africa national team. And he was shot and killed in a, in what was called a robbery back in 2014. And man, I got to tell you, the funny thing, well, I ain't going to say the funny thing. The interesting thing about this particular story is with the documentary just coming out a couple of weeks ago. Um, last Monday, they just started the trial for the the people who allegedly killed him. But I don't think the people that they got on trial is the people who killed him. They might have pulled the trigger, but I think that it is more behind that. And a lot of people think it's more behind that. But if you watch this uh, docuseries on um, Netflix, let me pull up the exact title of the docuseries. Um, what is it? It's five episodes in the docu series, and man, this this docu series is is wild. Is is it got a lot of layers to it. It's called Senzo, Murder of a Soccer Star, and it's on Netflix. It came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, and let me read the description of it. Uh, I ain't say pull up Netflix, man. Good thing. Hold the damn Netflix up. Um, it says, soccer player Senzo Mayawa was a national hero before his killing shock South Africa. Who did it and why? And, man, it's, it's a lot of layers to this daggone docuseries. And what I always find interesting about stories like this, when somebody gets killed in a like these like these shows on 2020 or Dateline or stuff like that, these true stories, like you will almost think that the killing would be so simple that it was it's just black and white. We know who killed them, we arresting them, and they going to jail, right? But then once they start getting into the story, that black and white goes out the window because the gray area engulfs the whole thing where you got somebody cheating you got this what you got a you got a wife you got a mistress you got a another another dude uh another boyfriend another husband um you got this person jealous of you that person jealous of you um somebody wants your money somebody don't want your money uh is the family involved uh are they, uh, everybody conspiring to keep lies away and all this other stuff. It is so many damn twists and turns with this docu-series and, and what happened behind this dude supposedly getting killed in a robbery. But it's on Netflix, so check it out. All right, let me see where I'm at. Uh, yeah, of course, so. Like I said, this this episode, I'll be talking about some stuff that came out the past couple of weeks. So we here, and let's get into the the Sierra and Russ Russell uh, Wilson stuff. 
So if you don't, if I'm sure everybody knows by now, but if you don't know by now, this whole this whole situation about their relationship came back up because of another podcast um, with some former athletes uh, and one one particular who who said what he said about Russell Wilson was a former NFL player. I don't have no clip of what he said because I ain't save it. I don't care because that's not really what I'm, I'm going to talk about. We're going to talk about um, Sierra and Russ and um, not not directly, but just a conversation based off of that. So, like, you had everybody talking about, you know, uh, Russell Wilson, he lame and he is square. Um comparing him to future and all this other stuff and blah 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 and it's an interesting conversation because for one like this is something that's always I've, I've this conversation is not new and it and it don't even necessarily have didn't it didn't even start from russell wilson and sierra this conversation has been going on for a while the nice guy stuff the fake thug stuff the street guy stuff and uh, dealing with um, guys that's too nice and dealing with this type of guy because he adds excitement to you. And it's funny because now that I'm talking what I'm talking right now, it got me thinking about that damn um, <laughs> Deep Water movie because it's elements of this conversation in that damn movie about the nice guy stuff and being in a relationship and you wanting to be with somebody who adds excitement to you and all this other stuff and somebody who make you feel a certain way and all, you know what I'm saying? Using using external shit to try to make you happy or whatever when obvious that you got something going on. So, yeah, back to Sierra Russell Wilson in the future. So we all know, we should all know about this situation we know we know the type of guy. Well, we we claim we know the type of guy Russell Wilson is. We claim to know the type of woman Sierra is. We claim to know the type of guy Future is. We may think we know a lot because they're in the in the celebrity world. You know what I'm saying? Their lives are kind of open, but we really don't know nothing about these celebrities we swear we know a lot about these celebrities and we don't (laughs) you know what i'm saying we just don't but you know of course since all these stories come out and stuff like that and with celebrities and stuff we naturally we're going to relate them to to our lives things that we gone through experiences and stuff like that and have our own opinions and perspectives and perception on on these people their relationships and how it relates to us and all this other stuff right because just going off of this topic of the nice guy the mean guy the guy that make you work the the uh a guy that give you excitement and all this other stuff i've i've been each and every one of those guys depending on who the girl has been that i've interacted with in my life I've been considered the nice guy. I've been considered the <laughs> the the mean dude, the nonchalant dude, the I don't give a fuck dude. <laughs> I've been the guy who has been disrespectful. You know what I'm saying? I've heard this stuff come out of women's mouths that I've interacted with. 
And whatever the interaction was, you know what I'm saying, or who these women perceived me to be or who, honestly, you know what I'm saying, I felt the need to act like based off of my personality because we all have layers to us where some we just naturally we can just you know be nice to certain people or you know um be mean to certain people or whatever <laughs> but yeah so i find this this uh this whole conversation interesting because i just kind of feel like naturally you know what i'm saying we have who we are our personality and some things may trigger certain responses from us or, you know, reactions and stuff like that. And people are going to perceive them based off of things that they've gone through in their life. And not everybody gets a chance to know the full person all the time. So they all they all there. There's always going to be a different perception of a certain person based off of your interaction with them. Right. So let's assume for a moment that Russell Wilson is the the nice the nice guy, right? Let's assume for the moment that future is whatever he's being described as. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't really is 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 he being described as the street dude, the thug, or the the player? Let's let's go with that. Let's go with the player. Let's go with the player. The player and the night versus the nice guy. So usually players, we assume, let's assume that players are usually mean or um, don't care type people. I don't give a fuck type people, okay? So we have a lot of talk about Russell Wilson being corny, being a square and stuff because he's a nice guy. And it's funny to see a lot of women on social media talk, well, I well, I'd rather be with the corny dude. I'd rather be with the boring dude. And I just I just laugh because I've seen this story so many times where women, majority of women, will look at the nice guy the same way that mo that some dudes will look at him. That he's corny, that he's boring, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> That's usually what it is, right? Until the woman has gone through enough bullshit from the player or the nigga that don't give a fuck, then the nice guy, the corny dude, the boring dude is appealing, right? So we think, right? But then you will hear, well, I've heard and I've seen plenty of times where the girl finally give the nice guy a chance, the corny dude a chance or whatever, but then still craving the player that I don't give a fuck type dude, right? So is this necessarily a knock on the dude, each of the dudes, or is this a knock on the woman and her not figuring out what she really wants or working out whatever she got to work out within herself where she can just be satisfied with having somebody who actually appreciates her, right? <laughs> um, but then you hear that you know what I'm saying what's interesting is though you know I've seen a lot of stuff where guys have been like why a guy care or whatever why that 
the guys who care about whether a dude is corny or not or sitting here out here talking this and that about about another dude he corny but and i'll be laughing at that too because i'll be saying to myself nigga shut your ass up because you know you be doing that shit too because this just this just what niggas do niggas will hold on to this ego and this pride of of acting like they don't care about what another dude is doing and it's just a total lie men are programmed to compete with with other men we've been programmed to to think that way and conduct ourselves that way from an early age competition and part of competition is surveying watching other men strategizing whatever you want to call it that's part of it so guys out here so what the Bama's the the dude said on that podcast about Russell Wilson wasn't weird to me because I know dudes do it whether they want to be honest about it or not that's what they do not saying it's right or wrong or anything but it it happens trust me it happens <laughs> oh man let me see yeah so like this tweet right here says most women they are attracted more to the future archetype till they get to about a certain age 20 this person on their tweet saying 24 25 i think that's still that's still too young i think most women get to the point of being attracted, not being attracted to the future archetype when they get all damn near in their mid to late 30s, possibly early early 40s. And sometimes it just don't go away because some women's just still, they haven't grown enough and they they never wanted to grow. So they just stuck in that mentality of, uh, that same mentality of wanting to, to chase behind a dude that's in the streets himself doing a lot of chasing and let me finish reading this he says the russell archetype gets this by most of the women he wants until about the age of 26 once he finally gets the girls he been wanted the future archetypes have ran through them since high school and well yeah that's what i said it gets to the point where women get tired of the future archetype as this person is saying which is a good way to say it, the future archetype and they want to run to the russell archetype and sometimes some women i've seen this some women they will stay with the russell archetype until the future archetype finally wants to settle down or actually wants to pay them attention in that moment so just going back to like that lean the horn clip women use men as placeholders as well you see a lot of time this talk and talk and talk about how women be about how men use women as placeholders. Men is not the only ones that do that. Women be doing that shit all the time. <laughs> they do that shit all the time. And just even going back to that tweet, I remember like most of the time when I was getting like that nice guy, uh, I was putting out that nice guy image and stuff like that was when was when I was younger, like in in high school and a little bit in my early twenties or whatever. Until I, but the reason for that 
wasn't to actually portray an image. It was actually because of when I was going through depression and stuff like that and me just being a people pleaser based off of that and me trying to um, do things in order to get love from from women and stuff like that. But then it got to a certain point where um, I got deeper into my depression where I was just like, fuck everything. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, you know what I'm saying? I'll still be a nice guy to people who deserve it, but I ain't going to take no shit off of no woman. You know what I'm saying? But then as I got older or whatever, I started to calm down more or whatever, just naturally calming down. And then when I got into my uh, early 30s and I started going to therapy, and that's when I started to soften up even more. So my not taking shit off of a woman was still there, but it was more, I was more intelligent with it based off of me being more emotionally intelligent. So just not even giving giving women the time to get into a situation where I had to be this fuck you type attitude or whatever. But then at the same time, I started, you know, working on um, healing from depression and and stuff like that where I didn't feel the need to to do all this people pleasing or whatever. So I was cool with just, you know what I'm saying, people to think whatever they want to think about me type stuff when it comes to to the um love and relationship aspect or whatever. But, you know what I'm saying, I it's everybody's a work in progress, you know, nobody's ever going to be perfect with how they interact with people or whatever. So I still have my moments where I can be a people pleaser, especially when I when I when I really mess with somebody or I really love somebody or whatever. But then I still got that 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 little uh <laughs> That spark in me from me just being naturally being the fire sign and stuff like that where I just I don't be taking no shit off of nobody. But yeah, that Russell, that Russell Wilson archetype and that future archetype, that that's just a real thing, you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> um let me see where I'm at. It said This is a tweet from a a black woman. She said, Russell Wilson before Sierra wasn't most women type. He's only y'all type because he's putting on a cape and saving a woman. It's the benefits y'all see that's making him seem cool. Man, stop playing with my intelligence. And I agree with every exact word with that. And like I said, majority of the women, they just don't want to grow. Because they they haven't worked on what's going on with them. The future archetype is more appealing because it's more flashy, it's more out there, and all that other stuff. The Russell Wilson archetype is more back in the cut. Is it, you know what I'm saying? It's nothing to show off or whatever. As if he ain't got more money than future, particularly for the women who care about that. Money, you know, the finances or whatever. We know Russell Wilson is is more financially rich or wealthy than future is. I don't need nobody to tell me that. <laughs> I know it for sure. So, yeah, I agree with this tweet. And this goes back to like the that the narrative of the Prince Charming aspect. Russell Wilson may not be a a white male, but he is he is polished and he has an image uh, of that. And just even thinking about the the stuff that's been going on recently with like Will Smith and Jada Pinkett. Will Smith's whole image, 
his whole life was based off of him being the the nice guy, the clean guy, the polished guy. You know what I'm saying? He he played the role of his his whole image was of being sort of a prince charming or whatever. So it always looks good when you have a guy um with that image almost saving a woman. And that goes back to talking about the the black women marrying white white men stuff. That ideal image of uh, a prince charming, a woman being saved. And that's the agenda and the narrative that they would try to push out to you in movies and commercials. You see it where it's always a white man with a black woman. You never see it in reverse with a black man and a white woman. You don't see that. You see it in that way of a black woman being saved. And like I always say, this shit goes all the way back to slavery with the Willie Lynch syndrome of things. How they use the black woman to be gatekeepers in our community. And they use black women to push their agenda by programming their mind to think this way, to be enemies of black men. So in turn, black men are going to be enemies of black women. And then it's going to crush the whole foundation of the black family. But, I, you know, I can't help myself. I always got to put some seriousness in, into, the, into the playful stuff. <laughs> That's just how I'm wired. I don't know. But, yeah, where I'm at, where I'm at. Um, here's a, another interesting tweet. It says men are going to tear down other men who actually treat women well because they know they're a competition. What did I say? What did I say? See, I'm just not, you know, a good looking fella. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm very intelligent. <laughs> Let me go back to the uh, tweet. They know at the end of the day, women want to be with the nice guys who are soft and caring and can provide. So they try and emasculate men like that to feel better. I agree with the tweet based off of the competition part. Um, but it's just a part of me that will will always believe that women prefer more the future archetype. But he act like Rus Russell Wilson, the archetype being the, the, the whole look, the whole look, the um, what you present to the world. But they they would love for they would love for the man to have the the future archetype as far as the looks and what he's presenting to the world and stuff. But they would love for him to that that future archetype to treat them like how Russell Wilson is maybe treating Sierra. Right. Right. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, that's all you've seen on social media since all this stuff been coming out is women talking about some rich and corny, yeah, I, that's, that's the, well, that's what I want then and all this other stuff, Sierra, please send me your prayer and all this other stuff, but you almost have to look at it like, um, and like I said, we don't know these celebrities and stuff, but this just based off of my observations and stuff like that, Sierra is very image conscious. So it would make sense for her to be with another person who's very image conscious, like Russell Wilson. It looks good. 
it looks good. And looking good in that space can provide opportunities as well. Make sure you watch Deep Water and look at how that relationship is. And you'll see what I'm trying to imply with everything that I'm saying. Um, let me see. This tweet says black man's public image needs to be repaired. Excuse me. I think that's burp number six or seven. I don't know. Y'all, y'all always tell me. And that might have been seven or eight, but yeah. Uh, black man's public image needs to be repaired because I don't think there is another community slash culture in the world where a man like Russell Wilson would be considered lame or corny. Black man's image has been publicly tainted with degeneracy for so long that when black people see a regular married family oriented black man raising his children, he is then viewed as corny. Our own women have grown to accept that image of us. That's got to change. And I definitely agree with it. I think it's more prevalent in the black in the black community. But I don't think that it's only in the black community based off of that deep water movie and how I always feel everything we see in movie and TVs is stuff that happens in real life because where else they getting it from? Um, yeah, so. This this a uh, this is an argument, a debate, conversation, discussion, whatever. This shit ain't going nowhere. But hey, like I said, uh, guys like that have the Russell Wilson archetype are used as placeholders as well as they are shunned. You know what I'm saying? And and honestly, it's the same way with the future archetype. You know what I'm saying? A lot of women use them. Use those type of guys as placeholders just so they can have somebody to be with until they so they find that Prince Charming so they don't have to be alone and stuff like that. Or because they're getting something from the guy or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Not to say that, you know, women just be out here using because guys do it too. You know what I'm saying? Guys use women as placeholders and stuff like that. So, you know, but usually um when certain women don't get their way, the Russell Wilson guys is used as the default. You know, he's the fallback guy, you know, because they know that, you know, some women know that a guy like that will always be there because he's the nice guy and all that other stuff. I mean, we've seen it in, in movies plenty of times. Like, this story has been in several love movies. And you mostly see it in, in the white love movies, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Yeah, um, let me see where I'm at. I think I'm done with that discussion. Yeah, all right, so I'm not totally done with it, but I came across a a post that it that basically sums up a lot of, well, not totally sum up, but pl plays a part in the conversation. Uh, it says, question, what is it about overly nice men that turn us off? This is a woman asking this. She says, um, I... I have found, I'm a 24-year-old female, I have found that when I talk to guys who are really over-the-top nice, a.k.a. they constantly compliment you, they act like you can do no wrong, they constantly praise you, etc., 
I get so turned off and it almost makes me angry. Now, I, I'm going to finish reading the post, but just reading that part just makes me think about, you know, it's a lot of w- people out here. And since this is a woman, it's it's women out here that are so insecure and disgusted with themselves that it's hard for them to receive someone being nice to them. They're not used to it. Their background, you know what I'm saying, their background didn't, none of that wasn't in there. They didn't have nobody giving them compliments. Their dad wasn't complimenting them. Their mom wasn't complimenting them, et cetera, et cetera. So it's hard for them to accept and receive this stuff. And and just switching it over to the other side, using myself as an example. I tell people all the time, and I talked about it with uh, with uh, my therapist plenty of times about how it's, it's very difficult for me to receive compliments, but it makes me uncomfortable because, I, you know what I'm saying, as a child growing up, I didn't receive none of that. I didn't have, my parents wasn't telling me they was proud of me. They wasn't telling me, you know, giving me kudos and stuff like that. I, I didn't get those affirmations from them or whatever. So, you know, going to therapy and doing my shadow work, spiritual work and all that other stuff, I've had to learn to affirm myself and it's, it's still difficult to this day at times to 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 be in a constant state of positively affirming myself, which which is fine because, you know, what I'm saying you need everything ain't going to always be perfect. But just for me to have that have a mentality of, you know, being able to receive compliments from people and from myself and always, you know, not always be so focused on negative the negative things about me and stuff like that because for a long time you know what i'm saying i used to have a, a lot of people uh focus on my looks and stuff like that and i would look in the mirror and would think that i was damn ugly straight up <laughs> um but that's you know what i'm saying that's just from the external aspect, but just think about internally when you're not receiving love from your parents and if you not receive if you don't have both your parents in your life or if you have a strained home or if you see your parents having a bad relationship and stuff like that, you don't think that that's you think that that's natural. You think that's what a relationship's supposed to be like. Turmoil, drama, stress, negativity and stuff like that. So if you meet somebody that's giving you something different, then you're going to think that it's weird or it's corny or it turns you off or whatever because you don't know anything you don't know anything differently but some damn negative shit well let me finish reading the post um she says like i was talking to this guy and we had loads in common but he became so over the top nice and i couldn't say something without him complimenting me or constantly praising me He has very little relationship experience, and I was talking to my friends about this, and they all said this would turn them off too. But I can't really figure out why. I don't exactly want a guy to treat me like shit. And in theory, a guy who compliments you all the time sounds great, but it just annoys me. Anyone else feel the same? So, yeah. And then just, you know, from the viewpoint of uh, the guy or whatever and how she says that – everything she does and says he compliments or whatever he may have some people pleasing aspects to him as well where he's trying to overcompensate by being overly nice or whatever in order for him to not be abandoned or not uh be rejected and 
to get love from to get um love back from her based off of what he's doing or whatever so you know what i'm saying all this shit is always layers people always just want to focus on black and white of things but everybody has a story everybody has a program everybody has an agenda a narrative attached to them you know what i'm saying in some form of fashion whether it's positive or negative overly positive overly negative etc cetera, etc cetera. and we're going to project that out into the world yeah so i talked about the uh the women also having placeholders and how that's not talked about enough right so I got a clip that I'm going to play and we'll see what it says. Let me see. Pull this up. Women also have men's yes. placeholders. Women do it women, all the time. Absolutely, because I know women who want the constant attention from a man and mm -hmm. don't want to feel like they're single. They look single. So they want to, whether it's a different placeholder every week, Oof. but they have somebody there. So it's not just men. It's women But do, do yeah. they marry their placeholders? I... I think that in their sense of rebound, if somebody gets out of a bad relationship, they could without knowing that they're a placeholder. Uh, I think yeah. that. Because not usually would people commit to somebody who they know is just a placeholder. So they might have just been like, oh, you're cool. You're non-problematic. Yeah. You're, you're comforting. You cook right. for me. You, you make me feel good. So let's marry, but you're really not in love with that person. Oof, wow. that's a tough one to we realize. We are giving the good information. Yep, so they use these, these nice guys as placeholders but really just wanting to have their, their uh, no, they really want to bust it open for the future archetype <laughs> while they with the, the Russell archetype and they feel like he's so boring and all this other stuff. But it ain't got nothing to do with neither one of the dudes, honestly. They just projecting out what's going on inside of them and trying to use both of the guys as the reason for what they doing or whatever. But it, it's actually their ass. Their ass need to go they their ass need to take their ass to therapy or whatever but yeah women use guys as placeholders as well so we gotta stop this shit where it's just a one-sided thing like i like i've been saying i ain't for neither side just because i'm a man and i speak from my experiences or whatever when it comes down to it i want i'm i'm, I'm for black love you know what i'm saying and i'm forced to get it together here whatever but we ain't gonna keep doing this one side shit like niggas is the only problem because <laughs> women be on that bullshit too but yeah women be having guys as placeholders yes and they marry them placeholders like that shit you always see the memes and shit out there talking about some you know what i'm saying uh what it be like men don't marry they don't really marry the woman that they love and all this other stuff Y'all do that shit, too. Y'all be marrying niggas that y'all don't really love, but y'all just with him because of the look of it and because he treats y'all nice or the, the nigga who don't give a fuck or whatever don't give a fuck about you no more. <laughs> but you still rather be with him because you ain't worked on yourself. <laughs> oh, man. Let me see. I think I got another clip, but it ain't about this. It's, it's something different. Some it's a it's it's a clip that I came across. It's even no, I don't think it's a clip yet. No, that's a post I came across, man. This shit is wild, bro. And I just don't understand how people think like this. I mean, I get it, but I I don't get it. <laughs> 
Okay, yeah, I, this is the clip I came across uh, this past week. It says, a 100K salary a year is not a lot of money in 2022. Y'all agree or disagree? And I've seen so many people talk about some, they agree, they agree, agree. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> I'm just like, $100,000 salary a year. And that ain't enough for y'all. And it just shows you how social media and, and being so caught up into the celebrity celebrity world and stuff like that be having people just so brainwashed. Everybody want to be a millionaire. Everybody think they can be a millionaire. Everybody uh, playing that uh, I'll sleep when I'm dying game and all that other stuff. Everybody you know, a hustler. Everybody an entrepreneur. Everybody a boss and all this other stuff. And I'm just sitting here thinking like a hundred thousand dollar salary and i'm just like y'all niggas is some ungrateful motherfuckers for one y'all for one y'all got a gratitude issue and y'all got a money management issue because how is a hundred thousand dollar salary not enough and that just shows y'all sitting around here trying to keep up with the joneses trying to show off on social media or whatever and y'all living Above y'all means. L- literally living above y'all means. And y'all just some ungrateful ass assholes. Because <laughs> $100,000 salary is a lot of money to people who is out here struggling just to get fucking minimum wage. Fucking get $15 an hour. And y'all talking about hundred k ain't enough? These people out here who is sitting here fighting for Walmart and all these other places to pay them twenty, fifteen to twenty dollars an hour, and they and the government talking about something, they're gonna raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour, but we'll raise it by twenty, twenty eight or some shit. And by that time, the cost of living gonna go up even more and fifteen dollars gonna seem like five dollars an hour. And people out here talk, man. I I I couldn't let that go because I just find that shit is ridiculous, man. People need to start learning money management and being grateful for the shit that you got. Seriously. All right, now here go here go a clip that I came across, and it I I guess it got something to do with this as well. It got something to do with the whole damn show, honestly. How do you keep a happy wife? It's all about the money. Give it about two years. You ask little Dirk that same question, he's going to tell you the same exact answer. Because Big Goo Op is correct. If you ever want to get married, you and your spouse, I'm telling you right now, go to marriage counseling. You and your counselor or your pastor, you're going to talk about various topics in the marriage. But one thing that they're going to go in depth in is finances. Money means everything in the marriage. You're going to talk about your savings, your checkings, who pays the bills, your income, vacations, investments. All of that. It costs money to take care of a woman, just like anything else in this world. But y'all be sitting up here trying to talk this alpha male shit ain't put no money up. That shit don't make sense. And what a lot of these dudes don't know, nine times out of ten, you're going to get that money right back. It's going to go towards gifts, loving you, nurturing food. Shit, I eat different now. My fruit got chocolate on it. (laughs) Take care of your woman, fellas. Put that money up. Whatever, nigga. I'm not sitting here saying that money isn't important in a relationship. But in this day and age, we make money 
just the the most important thing about a relationship. And honestly, for some people, the only thing that's important in a relationship. And this is what I just going, just talking about this whole, the whole shit, the the relationship shit, the archetype of a man, uh, who he is, nice guy, uh, player, uh, white man, black man, Black women having to pull a black man up, black man in jail, black man ain't got no degree, all this other stuff. That's what did I say earlier? Everything be focused on the status, financial status, job status, education status. And we make that shit the gold standard of a relationship. Nothing else matter until it until it matters, right? Nothing, none of that shit matters until it actually starts to matter. But then when it starts to matter, it's, it's too late to get it from the, the right person that was really trying to get, give it to you, right? So don't it make sense, the, the, the intro song that I played? I choose you. you got, we got these choosy lovers out here. We got the, there's too many choosy ass lovers out here based off of what society telling you you should what lover you should have or what lover you should be as opposed to who you actually are. Shit, you you damn near don't know who you are because you so caught up into what somebody what everybody else telling you you should be, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. But you still going to do what you want to do, right? Everybody talks about, I knew he was cheating, and they're looking for cheating, but how can you know he's cheating, but you never knew he was unhappy with you? How? Mm, so you're looking for those signs, but you're not looking for yeah. those signs. Why, 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 why do you look for what somebody is doing, but you don't know when they're not happy with you? Mm-hmm. Come so on. come on. I'm like, is yeah. that is that being um, self-absorbed? Do you feel like maybe sometimes in relationships, women, because like you said, we know that we get everything just because we're women. So we expect it and we don't want to give the man anything. Oh, yes. Turn. Women are self-absorbed and, and entitled. And I can say this because I've been doing this work for over 15 years. Mm. They believe because they have a vagina um, and pretty that they and a nice body that they are entitled to being treated a certain way. However, have you ever seen a woman that's beautiful and she looks amazing, her body, everything is together, very smart, but she, those type of women always get left for more plain Janes. Yeah. Women that, looking like, uh-huh. you chose her. <laughs> Did you see what I was looking like? Because it had nothing to do with yes, what girl. she looked like and what she came to the table with. It was what she was being to him yes. and how she made him feel yes, girl, in his being. presence. So we see it all the time. But they going out here, girl, thinking that I have to look like this, getting these botched BBLs and all of this tuck it in, suck it out I'm and all that. Keep my mouth and then on top of that, it's like they're they're not I'm doing it for myself. No, you're doing no, it because these men is liking these pictures. <laughs> but here's the thing, Mo, the pictures that they're liking, most of those women don't have a man. Oh, girl, isn't that the funniest thing? The gorgeous women stay single their whole lives. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Because they so- never learn the girl part. Learn the girl part. Learn to just be. A woman that has her femininity, mm. her spirituality, and her sensuality all flowing at the same time is a force to be working with. Hey, what I've been talking about. The whole dating game series to this episode. Shit, 
this whole since I started this podcast. Shit, since I've been on the unproductive and unapologetic podcast. What hey, wh- what it is. Ladies and gents, choose wisely. <laughs> hey, choose wisely. I can't make nobody choose right. You just gonna do what you're gonna do, right? So choose wisely. We come to the end of a taste to consider podcast. The podcast of many tastes. Yes. I am signing off. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, a taste to consider podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, download. I'm on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon, as well as YouTube. Like I said, make sure you subscribe, you like, share. You know what I'm saying? Do me the solid. You know what I'm saying? I'm just an independent content creator out here. And while you're listening right now on your streaming services, hit the download button if you haven't already hit it. Since you're already at the end of the podcast, once it downloads fully, then just hit the same button again and it'll download, undownload off your phone. Make sure you rate and review if you haven't already on whatever streaming service and YouTube, whether either or, it don't matter. So, make sure you also follow the UNU Network. That is U-A-N-D-U underscore network on Instagram. All the shows that's a part of the network are also on that podcast I look forward to speaking with you next week. I am in the process of having a guest for the next show. So I look forward to that. And I look forward to hearing from you about this episode. I appreciate you. You know I always end every episode with a song. And I got a special one for you, as I always do, that relates to the show. And it's Choosy Lover by the Isley Brothers. This is a Taste to Consider podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. Let's go.
Space to Consider Podcast. Yes, indeed. Taste to consider podcast. to consider podcast yes make sure you choose wisey choosy lover it's a taste to consider podcast the podcast of many tastes and i am out